Tim and Wayne. I'm Aaron. And this is Paul. This is Wayne. And this is Tim. Well, hello, guys. Hello. It feels good to have the whole band here. You know, it, it's it's like one of those uh, you know special shows. It's like a very special episode of Funny Books. You know, <laughs> we're gonna learn we're gonna learn a lesson. You know, the more you know, it's gonna be one of those kind of things. It's gonna be like an ABC after school special. Yeah, Paul's not off running somewhere, and no. Well, last week I wasn't running. To be fair. <laughs> were, were you skipping, Paul? Were you skipping? I was hopping. No, um, I was at uh, <laughs> Halloween Horror Nights in uh, Florida. Oh, yeah. Down in Florida, you know, getting your Zika on. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. oh so speaking of which, even though there is no Zika in Orlando, all the theme parks have a little sign uh-huh. that, uh, that says, hey, just as a precaution, we offer free mosquito repellent at guest services. And I'm like... And don't play with the gators. <laughs> <laughs> Free mosquito repellent's really cool. And bat gators repellent, I guess, or bat bat shark repellent. Did you get into into any of the ponds, Paul, and and tempt the gators? Well, I got into every pond I could find, but no gators wanted me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Maybe next. So did you did you just grab free mosquito repellent every everywhere you went? Just (laughs) you came home with just mad sacks of mosquito repellent. Leave the room, change my shirt, and come back and get some more. Uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. I did not take advantage of the mosquito repellent, so I'm sitting here with Zika right now, festering in my Zika-ness. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it sounds exciting, Paul. So, I mean, it, it, you know, it sounds like like your trip to uh, Orlando was a win just on free mosquito repellent. Exactly. It's totally worth it just for the mosquito repellent. I made my money back just in mosquito repellent. <laughs> you can find Paul selling it all on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> At a 200% markup. There you go. So tell us about Halloween Horror Nights. I've seen that you have posted uh, tons and tons of uh, video yeah. on the YouTube channel. Yeah, so um, on our YouTube channel, I pretty much posted the entire damn trip, except my sleeping, um, on, on the YouTube channel. So I uh, I landed my plane. Well, I didn't land the plane. I, the plane landed. I was about to say, wow. <laughs> it, was an, it was a productive trip here. Paul's out. Paul's out there on the IOM uh, jetliner, you know. Does anybody know how to fly a plane? Yeah. <laughs> I'm Paul Aponte from the internet. Yeah, exactly. I, no, he's the, he's the goddamn Paul Aponte. I'm the goddamn Paul Aponte, and I don't know how to fly a plane, <laughs> but I saw one on TV. But I've seen That's Sully. Right. Um, I've watched Kurt Russell land that plane enough times. I can do it. He's he's the least interesting man in the world. (laughs) (laughs) I, um, so the plane landed and I, you know, turn on my phone and the first text that pops up is, Hey, uh, from a friend that lives down there. Hey, do you want to go to employee preview tonight? And I'm like, Oh, okay. So he said, Hey, so uh, we're going to meet for dinner at four and then go to, uh, to employee preview night. And I'm like, Oh, well, it's 4 PM, 4 PM. Huh. That seems a little, how old are these employees? Are they like 70? (laughs) I mean, dinner at four seems a bit early. Well, so you go to dinner at four and then you line up around five ish, five, five 30 ish to get in at six. I see. (laughs) It's not, we we didn't go for the blue light special or whatever, the early bird special. It it seems like perhaps you did. (laughs) Yeah, Paul, Paul had some jello and some tapioca pudding. Tapioca pudding. So keep in mind, if they're meeting for dinner at 4 o'clock. I, my plane lands at 2.45 p.m. Uh. So I have an hour and 15 minutes to hop on the super shuttle, get to the hotel. Um, and we know how well that works. Yeah. And then, and then 
hop on the shuttle to the park from the hotel and get to the restaurant. And um, so it's like four o'clock on the nose as I'm about to hop on the shuttle to the park. And uh, so I'm walking onto the shuttle to the park and I get another text. Hey, um, bad news. It kind of fell through the act the, because it's a plus one ticket. Your plus one ticket kind of fell through. I'm like, ah, I'm like, well, I'll still meet you guys for dinner. So I show up for dinner. And as oh, I would have rage quit, I would have rage quit dinner, <laughs> especially after the rush. Right. Uh, but right, I show yeah. up for dinner. Uh, I totally would have. Yeah, I, I would have I, I flipped a goddamn table. I would have shown up just to make a scene. I would have driven that I bus done. like in the movie Speed. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, exactly. But I showed up for dinner and they said, hey, good news. Another ticket came through. So I, I guess I'm glad I did show up for dinner instead of rage quitting dinner. Um, and so I was able to hit the, uh, the Halloween Horror Nights, uh, Wednesday night, Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday night while I was there. Wow. So I got to go through all the houses and they have, this year they have houses based on Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Halloween and American Horror Story, which I've never seen an episode of, but seems like it's freaky just based on the haunted house. I Um, hear it's a really good show. I need to give it a shot. That's what I hear. And I want to check out this season particularly because it's based on Roanoke, um, Roanoke Island, which is, you know, oh, that's so that is one of my big, like, mystery geeky things that I love are stories that deal with that. And it all goes back to the Spawn Batman crossover. (laughs) I don't even remember it being a part of that. Yeah, there were remember there were two Spawn Batman crossovers. Yeah. One of them was really good. The other one was really bad. Yeah. And one of them dealt with uh, with that mystery. And it was everybody in the uh, the book. Everyone had been basically sacrificed to you know to demons. Hmm. I'll have to reread that. I actually still have that. I think. But so I mean, I point is, I had a great time. I, I won't bore everyone with the details. If you're interested, check out the YouTube channel. Um, I had a, a fantastic time. Um, the, the, the icon of this year's event, her name is Chance. She's like a killer clown girl, very Harley Quinn-esque. Um, you know, my, my wife looking at your Facebook feed was like, does Paul have a thing for clowns? I do now. (laughs) (laughs) Not all clowns, just certain clowns with boobs. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I do now between Margot Robbie, Harley Quinn, and now Chance. Uh Yeah, I got a thing. Yeah. Yeah. You twisted bastard. Yeah, well. <laughs> it, it, it's a step up from being a furry, right? Uh, 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 only marginally, Paul. <laughs> only marginally. <laughs> but, so, you know, Paul's that guy you, you heard about in the woods, you know, dressed up as a clown trying to lure the children. <laughs> that, was, that was from Virginia, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it, it was, was, actually. Yeah. <laughs> that is, that is you know, Mr. Paul Aponte. <laughs> Luring kids into the woods. Uh-huh. Hey, I'm a happy clown. Come on out here, kids. I just wanted That's to give Paul. them free ice. That's cream. my Paul voice, by the way. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Paul, I don't know if I ever I don't know if we ever talked about it. Have you watched Stranger Things yet on Netflix? Yes, I have. And yes, I enjoyed it. I think we did talk about it, but I don't think you were here that week. Probably not. So it's fucking awesome. It was. I I, I marathoned the whole season in one day you know, one day. It, that's a that's a long Timmy- day. Timmy, have you seen it? No. Oh, you, you got to see it, Tim. You got to uh, you know, see it. Just, just throw it on the list. It's going after yeah. Longmire and Luke Cage, though. I'll tell you that. 
it is it is it is super satisfying. I, I cannot get over how satisfied I was uh, watching that show. Yeah, I I I, th- I had heard it was good, but when I watched, it, I was utterly blown away. There is that scene where they're on, and I'm not spoiling anything, but there's that scene when they're on the bikes running away from the from the authorities. And they're they're getting boxed in by the car, and it's it's that very much ET mo- moment. And yeah, like, I was expecting it. To I'm like, are they going to fly over the cars? Oh, that's what they're going to do. <laughs> I just I, I love how they resolve that scene because you, I, you, you it, it builds up. It's it's very much that scene from ET, just done a little bit differently. I I think it's a great movie. Yeah. So since Paul hit on Halloween stuff. I went to uh, one of those Halloween stores that pop up seasonally yesterday, uh, and I think there's something I want to buy. Oh, God. Is it a Harley Quinn so, costume? No, but I looked at a bunch of things there, and uh, there were some uh, some DC t-shirts that I really want. But no, what I, find, what I found, there is a pug, like the dog face mask, but it like straps into your chin, so when you're, move, when you're talking, the mouth moves. And it's all furry and fuzzy, and I think I want to buy a pug mask. And I don't know why. I just because you want to be a Batman villain. That's why you want to be a Batman. Doesn't <laughs> everybody? I, 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 I don't do know. If, I don't know if we had the conversation. Is this a safe space, Aaron, or can I just tell Wayne what the fuck? Yeah, you can this tell is Wayne. not a safe space. What the fuck, Wayne? <laughs> I have a I have a picture in the mask too, but sure. Okay, <laughs> it's on the fee paying member site because he is otherwise nude. <laughs> that's, that's all. And it was really awkward getting that picture in the middle of the store. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. That made it more awkward. You took out the rest of your clothes. <laughs> <laughs> ah, poor Wayne. Oh. Welcome back, yeah. everybody. <laughs> yeah, the, the thing that I want every year is a smoke machine, and I'm never allowed to buy the smoke machine. Because well, you oh. you specifically say you want it for the bedroom, so I think that's probably. I do want it for the bedroom. I want to come out of the bathroom, you know, like like a, like a uh, a metal band hitting the stage, you know. <laughs> but Aaron, I think I have the way you can do it. Uh huh. They have this year a it's a big giant Cerberus with a smoke machine attached. Meaning like so, a three-headed dog. Yes. And, yeah. and when the yeah uh, they when the heads move, it'll breathe out the smoke. So you don't say you're buying the smoke machine. You're buying the Cerberus. Because the Cerberus in the bedroom is a better idea than the smoke machine. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. You buy the Cerberus so you can put it out, and then once Halloween's over, you take the smoke machine out of the Cerberus and put it in the bedroom. Oh no, I'm thinking the Cerberus needs to be in the bedroom too. I'm liking where this is going. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think we go with that. Yeah, yeah. Bedroom Cerberus. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Three-headed dog of hell. That's it. Just it just speaks love, doesn't it? Yeah. That way, instead yeah. of rolling in like an '80s metal band, you're rolling in like Alice Cooper to the bedroom. Uh huh. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I, I face paint on and everything. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I like it. I'm down for this. Fee paying member side. But you know, just saying. That's right. That's right. Um, so, Paul. Yes, sir. You know, ever since you and I went to New York City for the uh, Star Trek Mission New York, I have been on a major Star Trek geek. Uh, I, I just I, I can't help myself. You haven't been on a midget stripper kick? 
I have not been on a midget stripper kick, a flying midget stripper kick. Let's let's be accurate. Yeah, he uh, is so over that. I mean, he's been he's been on that kick for a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, I, when we were there at Mission New York, you know, I attended the novel writers panel, and uh, I'm sorry, not the it, yeah, I'm think it was actually the the animation panel, but some of the guys from the animation panel contributed to uh, a new book, two new books that have come out, uh, a two-part book called uh, The the 50-Year Mission, The Complete Oral History of Star Trek. And so I finished reading the first 25 years. And when I say reading, I mean that I listened to it in an audio book. Um, And I'm uh, about halfway into the second one. And I got to tell you, these books are fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, first off, they're an oral history, so you're not getting somebody's spin, or you're at least not getting one person's spin. You're getting uh, direct quotes from people involved, so you know the cast, the crew, writers, directors, producers, the whole bit. And in the first 25 years, you know uh, Gene Roddenberry. You know, generally there's there's one of two ways people will write about Gene Roddenberry. He is either the great bird of the galaxy. He is he is the creative genius of Star Trek. He's brilliant and no one can eclipse his brilliance. He's a humanitarian, yada, 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 yada. Or there's the other side that, that people will write about. And it's what a great big prick Gene Roddenberry is and how he was scared to share credit and that he'd rewrite all of his writers and yada, 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 yada and how terrible he is. What I find interesting about the book is number one, it it takes it both ways. So you get you get you know people who are you know certainly in the pro Roddenberry side of the house and people who are not. Uh, so you get more of a balanced view of it. But there is this wonderful line in the book that I mean had me dying laughing because uh, Gene Roddenberry had just married uh, Majel Barrett with whom he had had a long time affair while he was married to his first wife, divorces his first wife, goes goes to Japan, marries Major Barrett, comes back, and he's talking to his assistant. And he says to his assistant, and this is a direct quote from his assistant, says to his assistant, well, you can go front to back, but you can't go back to front. Majel's got a horrible infection. I, I, I died. What? what? <laughs> <laughs> you can go front to back. But you can't go back to front. Majel's got a horrible infection. Why would you ask for clarification on that, Wayne? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not. I'm just – it's one of those things that leaves you speechless. (sighs) That's in the book. Yeah, it's in the book. That's the kind of book this is because I mean they, it's it's really just sort of a everybody's candid view, and so in the you know as they're talking about what you know before we started Paul and I were talking about Star Trek Generations, and it's a movie that I really dislike uh, for a number of reasons, and you know one of which is that Kirk dies like a bitch in it, and another reason is that the movie is so freaking dark. You know, they just need to turn a light bulb on in that movie. When you compare it to what all good things look like, the 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 two hour finale of Star Trek versus uh, Generations, all good things is a much better shot film when you compare them. That uh, is one of my biggest complaints about the next gen movies mm-hmm. is it's like they don't know how to turn on a light bulb. Yeah, turn on a I damn mean, light. When you look at the new Star Trek movies, the reboots or whatever yeah. you want to call them, they're bright. Yeah. They're not well, you know, like that. There is there are scenes in that happen happen in Captain Picard's ready room where the actor is deliberately in the dark 
and for no good reason other than that somebody thought that, that would look cool on the screen. And the whole time I'm like, hey, Riker, can you step forward into the light for just a moment so we can see you? Or, hey, how about just turn on a light? Anyway, so, uh, you know, listening to the writers talk about the development of the script and things that they'd wanted to do versus what they were not allowed to do uh, made me want to go back and watch it again. So, you know, again, I put the Blu-ray in last night and I was like, yeah, they sure do need to turn on a light. But one of the things that the that the writers talked about is what um, original scripts look like versus what they you know wound up being uh, on the uh, on the screen. And Ron Moore is talking about, you know, uh, what First Contact originally was going to look like. And Patrick Stewart came back and said, I want a page one rewrite. I don't like the script. And, you know, Patrick Stewart talks about everything he didn't like about it. And then, it, you know, and, and again, it's all direct quote. So it's not somebody saying, here's what Patrick Stewart said. It's an actor reading as Patrick Stewart. And so it cuts to, you know, Ronald D. Moore. Well, fuck Patrick Stewart. <laughs> Because they, they fired Ron Moore at one point. Oh, well, fuck Patrick Stewart, end quote. I, if you like Star Trek in any way, shape, or form, I highly recommend these, these uh, two audiobooks. Together, it's more than 50 hours worth of audio, and it is fantastic. Is highly it on Audible? It. Yeah. And yeah. you said there are two books. There's two of them. So there's the first one, which is the first 25 years. And then the second one is next gen to the J.J. Abrams movies. Do you think they, you could pick up just the second one? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because I, I think that's where I would start because I'm not as – my Star Trek based on when I got into it is next gen through the movies. Sure. Well, so I, I would that's find why that far more like, interesting. I think that's why they broke it that way, because some people are are either or they're not. Yes. And um, and so that's you know, it, it breaks like that. And but I got to tell you, it is so good. And you really get a, 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 a much bigger appreciation for what went into making the, 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 the shows and the films. Highly recommended and well narrated, though. I will say uh, there are a couple of things that irritate me about the narration uh, and, you know, 50 hours of audio. That's going to happen. But uh, some of the uh, voice talent doesn't know how to pronounce certain names. Like uh, when they're talking about Diana Muldaur, uh, one of the readers uh, pronounces her last name Mulder. I'm like, no, it's not Scully and <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's Diana Muldaur. Uh, and then Locutus, uh, one of the readers reads it as uh, Locutus. And that just, I mean, I'm just like, couldn't somebody have fixed that? Yeah. Isn't there someone in the booth, like, net, like telling them? Like, hey, you would hey, think, hey, hey, it's Locutus. You would think, hey, hey, fuckhead, Locutus, watch a, watch a show. Okay. Fuckhead. <laughs> <laughs> you are fired. That's how it'd work with me. You are fired. Get out of here. I don't even want to see your face again. That's right. You, you'll never work in this town again. <laughs> Locutus. <laughs> Locutus. Yeah, you are fired. Anyway, highly recommended. Big, big two big thumbs up from me. Okay. Yeah. So this week on television, the season premiere of Agents of Shield came on, um, and the on its new time at 10 p.m. The show has moved to 10 p.m. Um, and with that, they wanted to go with a more adult, uh, dark feel. I think they see the success that Marvel is having with um, their Netflix properties, so that I feel like they're trying to um, fit Agents of Shield into something more akin to that 
And uh, Wayne and I saw the season premiere. I mean, not together, separately. Of uh, course, we don't watch these together. <laughs> well, did y'all at least FaceTime while you were watching it? No. I had the little iPad next to me, cuddling with it. <laughs> Remember, I don't do Apple. Uh, Wayne. But what did you think of uh, Ghost Rider on the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season premiere? So I usually don't watch these as they come out. I let them kind of build up. But because Ghost Rider was going to be on there, I had to watch it, you know, pretty much right away. And I knew it wasn't the Ghost Rider I like. You know, I particularly didn't read the book when it was the uh, the Ghost Rider driving the, you know, the muscle car. So I do have questions for you, Paul, because I think you hit some of that. Yeah. And I'm curious about how it compares. I was very impressed with how he looks. Yeah. So, you know, the, 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 the Ghost Rider book. So the Ghost Rider that's featured in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is Robbie Reyes, who is the current uh, driving a car Ghost Rider that came out with the all new, all different Marvel. He is... Um, I think it was all new, not all new, all different. I don't fucking know. <laughs> uh, but the point is, uh, so he, he has a muscle car instead of a, a motorcycle. Um, and the adaptation or the uh, interpretation on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I should say, very comic book accurate. Um, and okay. just, not so just in appearance, my... but in character and persona and um, like his supporting cast that's introduced at the end of the episode. Uh, very, very uh, faithful to the uh, to the comic. Okay, because that was my first question. Is I was really taken aback by just how violent this Ghost Rider is. Yeah, because like we have you see Ghost Rider show up now. I was a big Danny Ketch Ghost Rider fan. I've read a lot of Johnny Blaze Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider is not a character that typically will you know just beat people to death and send blood flying. He is a character that you know he. He's not a gentle character, but he's not really a out, you know, outright killer so much. You know, I feel like, um, you know, Agents of Shield, and not and not only is that out of character for the original Ghost Riders, but it's out of character for Agents of Shield, right? You know, Agents yes. of Shield is not a bloody show, and this was certainly a darker, bloodier episode of Agents of Shield than I think has ever been been aired. Um, yeah, and they caught me off guard because when you see in one of the first scenes with Ghost Rider, and this is within the first few minutes of the show, I think, you see blood go flying and just cover a door of a car. I've never seen anything like that on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and it really took me aback. Yeah, I have no problem with it, of course. I don't mind a bloody show at all, but it, I wasn't expecting it, mm -hmm. so it really caught me off guard. And I'm, I'm watching, I'm just like, holy shit. Yeah, I think Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has always been a show that struggles to find its identity. Like, every season it seems to try to reinvent itself to to fit what people think is, is interesting and popular, and so that's what we're seeing now. I will say, every season seems to start off strong and then start sucking about halfway through. Um, I'm hopeful that's not the way that uh, this season starts, or is going to go, because I really actually did enjoy the season premiere with Ghost Rider, and... Um, I'm hopeful that it'll mean we'll see maybe some Midnight Suns action with the Doctor Strange movie coming out. Supposedly that will tie into what we're seeing in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, it would yeah, be great I, if they, you know, had the Midnight Suns as part of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, and I com I agree with you, Paul. I, I really geeked out about seeing Ghost Rider on the screen. It may not be the Ghost Rider that I would have wanted to have seen, but... It felt like a Ghost Rider. I mean, yeah, it was it was they, it was hella better than anything Nicolas Cage put out. Yeah, they did real justice to the characters, and 
yeah, he said it looked better than I thought it would for a TV budget. Yeah, but of course, because it's a TV budget, you only see Ghost Rider for about two minutes of the show. Yeah, um, but on those two minutes, and I, I fear we probably won't see him a lot throughout the series. You know, not directly face on like that. But because it was the premiere, I think they wanted to have that right there in your face. Here's what he looks like. Yeah. And it it looked good. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the season premiere, and I'm, I'm definitely going to check out the next couple of episodes. Hopefully the quality stays high. Um, you know, I, I do enjoy Robbie Ray as Ghost Rider. I enjoy the appearance. I, I like the muscle car. And as much as I love Danny Ketch and um, Johnny Blaze, and I love those characters, uh, you know, it, they, they are kind of both products of their time. Um, you'd have to change their uh, their origins quite a bit, I think. Whereas Robbie Reyes is also a product of his time, you know, the Fast and Furious generation type stuff. And so I'm enjoying it. I really am. I think you could do the Danny Catch one without changing his origin too much. But yeah, Johnny Blaze would be kind of difficult to do. Yeah. Uh, one thing that really is fascinating about it to me is that up until this point, and I knew things would change with uh, Doctor Strange coming, they haven't dealt with magic in any of the cinematic universe they touched on it in uh was it in daredevil season one yeah but they haven't outright come out and done anything it's always been like even the uh thor in them are aliens with hyper advanced technology there's not actually magic there this is the first time they're really touching on magic and i knew that they would come with dr strange coming up but i'm very curious how they're going to handle that because this they haven't done it in this world yet well, and it's certainly different than uh, than Agents of Shield has ever dealt with before, too. So, and being a Shield show, I was uh, excited to finally see a LMD. Yeah, an, a hot naked LMD. That's the best kind. It's the only kind. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why you'd have an LMD otherwise. No, so we're on, we're basically on the same page though. It's started very strong. Very happy with how Ghost Rider was done. I hope this is a good season. Yeah, and I enjoy Agents of Shield. I've watched all the seasons. They not all the episodes have been good. I think it usually does start off pretty strong, and uh, about mid-season kind of loses me. But the finales have been pretty good. So fingers crossed, because I think this is a shorter season than previous seasons. So hopefully we'll 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 have a good season this year on Agents of Shield, and it'll be a little more focused than they typically have been. But. You know, Ghost Rider on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is great, but it is far from the most important news this week. Far, what's, far from. What's the most important news this week, Paul? What could it possibly be? The most important news this week, Aaron, is that Jack Kirby's New Gods is finally available digitally on Comixology. Were you excited when I shared that oh, with you, Paul? Oh, shit, yes. It's, so, it's... um. <laughs> It's not the original printings. It's the 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 six issue miniseries where they reprinted the series. Um, in where Mark Evan 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 the yeah, it's, they're like 47 pages long. Yeah, and they're two bucks. Um, you know, they're not 99 cents, but two bucks is not too bad either. Um, yeah. And yes. Well, and worth it for a book that size. Yeah, worth it for a book that size and that awesome. Um, yeah. You know, there's not a lot of Jack Kirby available digitally to begin with. 
Um, mm-hmm. And the, the fact that the, what the Jack Kirby that we're getting now is the New God series. Um, yeah, and Mark Evanier, I, you know, he's certainly one of uh, the best New Gods writers out there. I know that uh, there was a series well, produced later on by um, an Orion series produced by Walt Simonson. Yeah, that I also well, liked. and what and what I like about uh, Mark Evanier's uh, books is that he and Kirby were actually pretty close. In fact, he wound up being Kirby's biographer. Yes. Um, so I mean, he, you know, I've I've got the the big Kirby. Uh, uh, biography that that he wrote, which is a beautiful tabletop book. If you can get have have a uh, if you ever get a chance to get it, it is gorgeous. It's oversized and uh, has a lot. I mean, just packed, choked, I should say, with Kirby art. But uh, those the the two books I picked up are fantastic, just fantastic. I can't wait for the rest of them to be out there. Yeah. So if you have never checked out Jack Kirby's New Gods, yes, it was produced in 1984. Yes, it reads like it. Uh-huh. But it is still just an amazing um, storytelling feat uh, from from the from Kirby and Evanier. Yeah, the, the pages are the pages are just gorgeous. And and I'll, I'll just amend something that, that Paul said. Paul said there's not a lot of Kirby out there digitally, and there's there's actually a ton of it from his old Marvel stuff. What I think there's an, an absence point. of is is certainly an absence of his new gods work. And I think there's, there is an absence of a lot of his later work, particularly his DC stuff. Yeah. His later um, work and his, per, and his, you know, his, in, his independent stuff. Um, but yeah, right, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of Marvel stuff out there. Yeah. I mean, there's a, cause I, I mean, I've got it. I mean, every time they put the old, uh, fantastic fours on sale, I, I continue to add to my collection, but, uh, this is where Kirby is just, you know, unplugged. I mean, he is just—he's just, you know, putting it all on the page. I—I—I I, I, I love the way he does the new gods. You know, it's Aaron, funny when I was a kid, I didn't care for it, but you know, the the as an adult, I really do have an appreciation for it. Mm-hmm. So, Aaron, yes, sir. I'm not—I'm not a big fan of the new god stuff. I've—I think I've said that before, but his Fantastic Four stuff is really my wheelhouse. Oh, yeah. So when that stuff goes on sale. Let me know because I miss reading some of that era. I mean, that's yeah. He he's just a it was a major talent, and some of the you know some of the stuff he did on Fantastic Four still to this day holds up and just blows me away. Well, you know, the artwork absolutely holds up. I think where where some of the where some of those books fall apart is just in the uh, the text. Yeah, you know, you so know, if you if if you were to take the text out. And re rewrite those pages, but keep the original artwork. Mm-hmm. You'd have you'd really have something there because where where it breaks down is just the way we told stories back in the '60s and early '70s. Yeah. You know the 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 thought balloons, the you know character telling you everything that's on his mind, uh, and mm-hmm. some of the just you know crazy sexism uh, that Reed Richards has yeah. against Sue. You know you're just a girl, you can't do this, but the I mean, if, when you look at what Lee and Kirby accomplished in the first 50 issues of that book is crazy. The characters that are with us today, characters that are hugely popular today, uh, it's just huge. And, you know, they would do throwaway stuff that that would be, you know, they do a, a one issue throwaway book uh, that would be six, eight, eight issues today. You know, the, the stories were so compressed mm-hmm. and they did so much. I mean, just you know, the Inhumans, for instance, and Galactus and Silver Surfer. And I mean, just all that stuff. It was just fantastic. So plenty of Kirby love here on Funny Books. Oh, yeah. 
And uh, yeah, I'm I'm so looking forward to to more of this library coming out. Yep. So from from classic comics to something very new, the first book from DC's Young Animal imprint, headed up by My Chemical Romance's Gerard Way, came out last week. Um, Doom Patrol number one from Gerard Way and Nick Darrington. Uh, Aaron and I talked about how we were looking forward to some of these young animal books. Uh, I will preface this by saying that Doom Patrol was not one of the ones I was particularly looking forward to because it's not really a, a franchise I've enjoyed previously. Uh, I'm more looking forward to, uh, I think, Chase Carson and his cybernetic eye or has a cybernetic Cave eye. Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye. Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye. I'm really looking forward to that book. Um, but, you know, it's the first book of the imprint. We both wanted to check out Doom Patrol. And Aaron, I know you did uh, not read Umbrella Academy, um, or I don't know if that you've read any Gerard Way books before. What did you think of Doom Patrol? Now, I, I picked it up because I've always wanted to like Doom Patrol. Yeah, Doom Patrol. I, I, I think I said in our last show that I really enjoyed when they guested in the pages of Teen Titans where Mar Marv Wolfman and George Perez were doing their thing. Yeah. Um, but in their own book, I have rarely enjoyed them and they've just always been a little too odd, you know, a little too, a, a, a little too on the fringe for yeah. me. And not that I don't like fringe books, but it's just the way it's not just that the characters were fringe. It was the manner in which the story tell the stories were told. And so picking up this book, I was trying to go in with an open mind and wow, how I hated this book. <laughs> <laughs> I, Thank this you, book, Aaron. I, I thought about picking it up because the same reason as you, I like the idea of the characters, but their book is never good. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I see them trying, <laughs> and there are there are pieces of the book that I liked. I mean, I, I kind of liked the story that was developing with the ambulance driver, uh, but it is so abstract. And it jumps the 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 point of view jumps too much, and. I, it was just too much work. I'm sure that it's a well put together book. I like the artwork. Mm -hmm. um, the artwork does have a very indie feel. It's got sort of that uh, uh, Jaime Hernandez, uh, you know, kind of kind of feel yeah. to it. Uh, but damn, I mean, I just could. I got halfway into it, and I'm like, okay, I'm done. I, I don't have this kind of time to commit to this because <laughs> it was just it was just not good. I mean, there is this there's this commentary where. Uh, one of the ambulance, uh, one of the emergency medical technicians, and that's where this book opens up is these two EMTs. And one of the EMTs is talking about uh, the universe and, and, and how the, the different layers and spir uh, spirals of his euro could contain universes and yada, 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 yada. And I mean, by the time that he throws the euro away, into a, a trash can and the flies start getting on it and you're getting these cutaways to possibly a universe inside the Euro. I was done. I was just like this. I, I don't, I don't care where this book is going. It's too odd for me to fully engage in. And I know this is probably right up somebody's alley. I'm not saying it's a bad book. I'm saying I didn't care for it a lot. Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure somebody's out there going, man, this is my jam and yay on you. Cause, uh, I, 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 I don't begrudge anybody reading the book. I don't I don't begrudge the book's existence. I just know that I won't be picking up issue two. So, so Paul, what did I, you think? I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it like you did. Um, I actually I, I enjoyed it. Um, is it odd? Yes, it's very odd. 
it, it is very unusual, and you know, you can tell. You know, Doom Patrol. Its most popular run, I think, was Grant Morrison. Right. And so you can feel Grant Morrison all over this book. And Gerard Way, you know, he's got a Grant Morrison sensibility to his writing that some people love, some people hate. Um, can you can you even say the word Grant Morrison sensibility, Paul? Without <laughs> lightning strike. Um, I didn't dislike the book. I actually, you know, I enjoyed it. Is it confusing? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I I feel like some of that stuff will make more sense in time, but I, I, not if I, it's I, a Grant Morrison sensibility. Then it won't ever make sense. Good point. I, I, I did think I, the art was fantastic. I thought the art. I, I really enjoyed the art. You know, and I liked. Uh, I like certain I, I like certain panels a lot, right? I just don't want to work that hard for my story. I don't need my story spoon fed to me, but I don't want to work that hard. It was a long week, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I, when I when I when I, I I I want the story to meet me halfway, and I felt like I was having to do a lot of the writer's work and trying to figure it out. Yeah, and I, yeah. It, that's a fair point. It is not. It it is certainly. Um, like you said, abstract um, enough that it's not an easy read. Yeah. So if that's what you're going in for, if that's what you're hoping for, that is not what you're going to get. And again, I'm not saying I'm looking for an easy read. I'm just not looking for an AP class read. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't want to have to sit there and, and try and figure out what the fuck the story is. I don't mind trying to solve a problem. I don't mind, you know, you know, trying to, to, to get ahead of the writer in the mystery, but as a reader, I don't want to spend the entire book going, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Well, you know, and that was, that was, that was where I was. Understandable. But it, if now that being said, it does not hurt my, uh, my excitement for Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye. I'm, I'm still nor, very much nor, looking forward to me. it. No, same here. I, I am too. Especially because there's I'm an looking. ad in a couple of the books and it just looks awesome. Oh yeah. No, it does. It looks great. And I'm all about that. I, I am. I'm down for Cave Carson. Um, so, also from DC Comics, and you guys, you guys will have noticed that we're very DC heavy uh, lately, uh, because that's pretty much all we're reading. But there is a new DC uh, book this week, Trinity, featuring Batman, Wonder Woman, and Superman, written and drawn and inked and colored, and uh, there is one credit on the cover of this book, <laughs> and it's Francis Manipal. Um, this is the Francis Manipal show. I'm sure there is a letterer, but the all the art and writing was done by Francis Manipal. So, Tim, you read Trinity mm-hmm. number one. Very curious mm-hmm. to hear your thoughts on this one. Man, I got a bad feeling because <laughs> like, I really like this book. <laughs> <laughs> you set it up because you're—I think you're roasting Francis Manuel, but I—I I, I enjoyed it. I—it was—it was a—it was, was a good read. Um, cu- a couple of the panels were a little artsy for me, but other than that, I. I, I dug the story. I didn't have a major problem with the art, and uh, I I find it interesting seeing these these characters interact again, or interact for the first time, I guess you could say. But you know what I mean. They're in the Justice League, but yeah. it, for Batman, it's more of a keep your friends close, enemies closer thing, and you can kind of tell. Yeah. But you know, just the, there's just some pretty cool scenes, like Wonder Woman hauling a wild boar out of the invisible jet was pretty funny. Yeah, 
and the the Superman breaking out of the Kryptonian like chains was also pretty cool. You know what's funny? This is uh, this is issue one of Trinity, and it reads very much like issue seven of a series, in that this is um, in this issue, uh, Batman, Wonder Woman, and pre Flashpoint Superman basically get together for a dinner party. And usually you get an issue like that after the big opening uh, arc, but in you know they chose to start uh, this series with this kind of quieter issue where with with uh, full of character interaction. And uh, before I give my opinion, I, I, I wanted to get Aaron's opinion on this book. Um, I, I'm with Tim. I really like the book. I I like it when the characters just get together and talk. Mm-hmm. You know, because you get so little of that. Generally, it's you know you get a page of it, and then there's you know 21 pages of, of fighting, right? Uh, I I really like when the characters have an opportunity to talk, and I particularly like it when the characters have an opportunity to interact as they did, and you get to see things about the character, and and you know Clark and Bruce get to get to bond uh, beyond uh, just fighting crime together, and. You know, you, you had that issue that, you know, Wonder Woman was in love with the new 52 Superman and he died in her, in her arms. Uh, what does that mean for Wonder Woman and the the current Superman and Lois Lane? And so it was nice to see them, you know, address that. Um, one of the things I'll say, though, is that uh, I'm not a big Francis Manuel fan. I know you are, Paul, but yes. I am not. Um and one of the things I was concerned about was his art style for this book going in, and I didn't hate it. I don't it, love it, he, but he I didn't hate it. He certainly changed it a bit for this book, I think. Yeah. Um, um, but what I will say is that he does not draw for the digital platform. Uh, there are many pages in which if you're just going through the guided view, you miss a lot on the page. Oh, yeah. Um, like, you know, there, the, the scene that Tim describes where uh, – uh, Wonder Woman lands the invisible plane and hauls out the big boar that she brought for dinner. Um, if you're reading that in the guided view, you kind of miss the fact that she's in the invisible plane, right? It's it's only when you look at it uh, in you know the the full page spread that does the impact of that really hit you. Yeah, I, I would and agree. So it's, I, it's it you know the, the the pages have you can't read it in guided. You, this is a book you can't read in guided view, basically. Um, not and get what he's going well, for with the art. And if you are doing a guided view, exactly. What I found that I had to do is I had to, to zoom out on the page at the end of each page. Mm-hmm. You know, I would guided view just to, to get so I could get in narrow with those with those panels. But the way he draws, you know, like the Wonder Woman page, the Batman page, they are not broken up in a format that that hits the guided view particularly well. No. Um, but that's okay. I, you know, once you're aware of that. But if you're if you're strictly a guided view guy and you didn't zoom out, you're missing stuff. Yeah, I would I would absolutely absolutely agree with that. I really really dug this book. Um, like you, I love these quieter issues. I love yeah. the dinner party issues. Or you know, my favorite issue of the Jim Lee X Men was where they were playing basketball. You know, I just love those because it's instead of a fight sequence, you're genuinely getting character interactions. My one qualm with the book is how yeah. Manipul writes Batman. I feel like he's still figuring out Batman's voice because he just comes across as a complete asshole. And he, <laughs> he, you know, it's like if you're coming for if you're if you actually showed up for dinner, you really don't need to be that much of a jerk. And he just doesn't say anything redeemable until the last page of the book, basically. Well, um, and I found. Fa- 
I found what was particularly weird yeah, along that along that line of uh, voicing Batman. You know, Batman is uh, you know, Bruce is stern throughout the dinner, and then then there's this moment while he and Clark are looking in on uh, Lois and Clark's son, who's who's gone to sleep, and Bruce says, "When they sleep, they seem so innocent. You almost believe they would listen to what we say." And I was like. That's kind of a weird comment for him to make, given the context of the conversation they've had earlier in the evening. Yeah, it's it's an unusual... I think the voice of Superman, Lois Lane, Wonder Woman, I had no problems with any of those. With Batman, yeah. I did. Yeah. I think he's he's trying to figure out the Batman voice. Um, because it worked... It, the Superman voice was great. And, you know, the, the dinner party works great, except every time Batman opens his mouth, I'm like, I would just be like, get the fuck out of my house. Yeah. Like, it, it, seriously, if you don't want to be here, just go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I did love, you know, Clark telling stories on on Batman like the Batman in the rainbow suit. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty damn hysterical. Yeah. Batman in a rainbow suit. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's a thing. Wow. <laughs> I brought the issue, so I'll see it, but He's like, I don't wow. know what you're talking about. Well, it's a reference to an old to a 60s story. <laughs> um, yeah, and I mean, Batman's like, I don't remember this. It never happened. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was good. I recommend if if you like Batman, if you like Superman, if you like Wonder Woman, pick up this book. It's a good book. Absolutely. Definitely check it out. Um, So last week, we we didn't record last week, so uh, we missed a couple chatting about a couple books like Doom Patrol and uh, this next book, which is Superwoman number two. We all loved the first issue of Superwoman. I've not had a chance to read Superwoman number two, but Aaron and Wayne have. So what did you guys think of it? Go get him, Wayne. <laughs> so I, I still enjoy the book. We'll start with that. It felt like the first issue was a little more, I don't know, focused. Yeah, it was a tighter book. Yeah, this, this issue was a lot more all over the place. There's uh, more character perspectives to bounce between, even though there's only one Superwoman now. Uh, but there was a lot more going on, a lot more bouncing around, and it didn't f- have that that real hard focus on Lana that the first one did. Like, the first one felt like it was coming from her voice, and this issue doesn't. It just doesn't. Uh, one thing I did like, though, I noticed right away, John Henry Irons, the Steel, they've updated his costume in the for the New 52 to look like the pre-New 52 costume. Mm-hmm. So, like, when we first saw him in Justice League, the costume was very different. Now the John the steel we see in here looks just like he did right after uh, the death of Superman. Yeah, the uh, the art is gorgeous in the book. And I, I, I do like that we are, you know, have reimagined steel to look more like he did uh, prior to the New 52. But, you know... Uh, Wayne was much more gentle than I than than I would be about the story. The story is a stinking mess. Um, the, the, it is not structured well. It's not clearly told. Uh, we were all surprised at how strong uh, Phil Jimenez's uh, visual storytelling and his textual storytelling were uh, in the first issue. And while his visual storytelling remains pitch perfect, wow. Uh, the the text in this book is pretty rough, um, and Even I mean the, plods along. I mean, I, I it took me I, it took me two sittings to get through this book because I was just so frustrated with how it was reading. 
Well, and even the dialogue isn't nearly as good as the first issue. No, no, you're absolutely right. Now, that said, I'm still in. Uh, I, I, I'm hoping that, that this is a fluke, but it's the, the book is over narrated. It's got that thing where there's just far too much narration, uh, in the book. You know, it, it, I mean, he is, he has got, I'm looking at this one page. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. There are 11, 11, 12 panels on this page, which that's a lot of panels on a comic book page. And every single one of them. Uh, except maybe two has red box narration and every, every, every panel that doesn't have red box narration has giant walls of, uh, text for, you know, dialogue. And there's just, I, I think that, that he got a little heavy with the dialogue and the narration and really needed an editor to come in and say, okay, let's lose this. Let's lose this. Cause yeah. wow, it is just so crowded with words. He needed an editor to come in also and say, limit your point of views yeah, because it's splitting between Lana Steele, and Lex. Yeah. Now and Wayne- any one of those could have been pulled out and put in the back as a backup story. And I think it would have made the whole issue stronger. Wayne, was it supposed to be a surprise that Lena was the bad guy? Uh, It was was for me. I didn't realize she was in the New 52. It seemed really clear to me uh, from last issue that she was going to be the bad guy. And I don't know, I don't know what what cue I picked up on, but I was like, well, maybe it wasn't supposed to be a surprise because it's revealed at the at the last page of the book that it's Lena, and I'm like. We all knew that, right? So uh, uh, I, I was just a little surprised by that. And of course, she's updated the mother box to instead of to go Lex, 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 as uh, Lex has done with his. This one goes Lena, Lena, Lena. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was really lame. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, you know, she she has been his sister who has been in a coma. Uh, throughout much of the the the, the uh, last several chapters of of uh, Lex's story in the New Fifty Two, and he had a big heartfelt. I want to say it was probably an action comics where he stood over her, you know, going, "We you know we're going to get you better. We're going to get you better." And it just the, the way it was voiced, I'm like, "Well, of course it's Lena," and then of course it turns out to be Lena. So, but I wasn't sure if that was supposed to be a surprise. So, thank you for that feedback. There were a few moments in the book that I thought were very well done that got buried by the overall book itself. Mm -hmm. And particularly the Lana having nightmares and having to medicate herself. Uh I thought that was really overshadowed by the rest of the book. It just kind of gets lost in there. And I think those are some good scenes. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed her, her nightmare makes sense to me, but it just... It's a minor footnote in the whole jumble of everything going on. Well, given the given the way her character is styled uh, and given the nightmares that she's having, and, and I'm not saying this is a, a definite thing, but it seems to me that we're building a case for her to be both a superwoman red and a superwoman blue. And that maybe, you know, she winds up channeling uh, Lois Lane. I mean, I've actually Lois, been wondering that, too. Yeah. You know, that, that maybe she, you know, transforms and, and she's one, you know, set of powers this week and another set of powers the next week. But uh, we'll see where that's going. I do like that, that you know, they, they, they seem to be sticking with the fact that Lois is dead. 
Um, and I, and I think that makes sense that the new 52 Lois is indeed dead. Cause really you don't need two Lois lines. Yeah. And her Superman's gone so she can go. Away. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and I mean, come on, you know, when you've got the, when you've got the real Lois line, <laughs> why do you, why do you need pretend Lois lane? I mean, that's come on. fair. Come on. So anyway, I, you know, again, not nearly as strong as the first issue, still an enjoyable experience. And, you know, when you get tired of, of, of pushing through that wall of text, just look at the pretty pictures because Bill Jimenez rocks this book. Yeah, I'm still on board. If issue three is more like issue two than issue one, mm-hmm. then I may drop the book. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that's not the case. I've got faith, Wayne. That glass is half full. I want to light a candle. I don't want to curse your darkness. Since when? <laughs> well, could, uh, there's there's Tim calling me on my bullshit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, can we talk about a book that I freaking loved? Um, would that be Superman number seven, Paul? Yes, it would. Does Paul enjoy a trip to the county fair? You know, we talked about those quieter issues, and I said if like Trinity number one felt more like issue seven after you get after your first arc. Uh huh. Well, Superman number seven is exactly what I was th- was was I would eh, what I was talking about. Um, so you have Clark, Lois, and Jonathan eh, with a quick a quick trip to the county fair. Uh, you know, no Superman in this book. You know, he he, he makes a promise to keep the cape off, and um, you know, it it, it is uh, from Pete Tomasi and Pat Gleason co-write the issue uh, with art by Jorge Jimenez. And guys, I freaking loved this issue of Superman. It's a good book. In fact, that first page where Superman is uh, in orbit of Earth helping out the International Space Station. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I find amazing is that you know the suit is still highly stylized like an, like the new 52 Superman. It doesn't have the shorts on the outside of the pants, for instance. But you look at that and there is the way they draw him. The, the just very heroic, iconic manner in which they draw Superman, you know that this is our Superman. This isn't that new 52 poser. This is the real steel deal. Right? I think there's a couple of reasons why that is when you look at how they draw him. First of all, the spit curl. Yeah. That's a big part of it. I mean, but other than that, the S shield seems a little bigger. The cape is different. Mm-hmm. Like where it, where it attaches seems more iconic Superman. And so I haven't finished reading the book, but like you're in, I love that first page mm-hmm. because I like seeing Superman doing things outside of fighting supervillains. Right. I like seeing him just be helpful and be the hero. And why is the government accepting him? Oh, because he does things like fix solar panels in space. Well, and then there's this great two page spread where he says, hey, I've got some time. I'm going to go help out some other folks. So he goes out and helps the Justice League, you know, and they're each on their own individual thing. And, you know, you know uh, the Flash looks up, Wonder Woman looks up, hey, thanks, you know. And, of course, you know, Batman's like, I didn't ask for your help. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I'm going to need some help. Uh, Paul, Aaron, I'm going to need you to help me out on this. Okay. Uh, and I mean, I'm specifically excluding Wayne because he didn't read this uh, this this other book. So I, I really loved Batman and Robin because it was a father-son book. Yeah. Yeah. The reason I picked this up is because you told me basically it's a father-son book. I'm not getting the same thing. Is it just is it just because their relationship is isn't strained in this book? It, it's good, it's wholesome. Whereas Batman and Robin, it was 
it was kind of you know he's you know he was raised by the league you know Razal Ghul, and there's always this tension about is he going to listen? Is he going to be dark? I, I want a father son book, but th- and this was it, and it was good, but it wasn't it wasn't what I wanted, you know. Well, I think I think Tim, it is it that you can't relate to a happy father son relationship? I mean, it, <laughs> a happy relationship in general. We'll just stop, you know. <laughs> well, I think a couple. I think you got a couple of things going on. First, you know, uh, Superman's not a son of a bitch, right? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he he is not you know the bastard of Gotham you know he's he's an actually a pretty okay guy who's you know he is father knows best whereas uh, you also have have the thing going on that it's not just the two of them and Alfred it's the two of them and Lois and Lois is is very much you know the a mother and a partner and she's fully she's fully engaged and key difference between Alfred and Batman and Lois and Superman is that Superman listens to Lois. Right. Yeah. I Whereas Alfred is all, it, Alfred's always banging on Batman about what a shitty father he is, and and uh, you know you need to do this, you need to do that, and you know Batman's stubborn. That's not Superman. So yeah, I do think that 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 the vibe you're not getting is the dysfunction. Yeah. Well, and not only that, this is a family book, not just a father son book. Um, and I think that's that's one of the differences. I mean, did you pick up the first arc of this book, Tim, or just this issue? No, just this issue. I mean, there is more father son time in the first arc, but it is it, it, you're. I do see your point, which is that this is definitely more of a family unit than just a father son interaction book. Um, there's a lot of Lois in it, and that does change, you know, the the um, the feel of it. And it, they do have a different relationship. You know, Jonathan Kent is not not Damian Wayne in, in any way, shape or form. Um, but you said you still liked the book. Yeah, it was good. I, I think you picked up on it. I think what I wanted is more Adams family. And what I got is a little house on the prairie. And, that, <laughs> and that's, that's okay. But that's not what I was, was coming in for, but yeah, no, the, I like the art. I, I like their interactions at, at, at the fair. It was, it was a solid book. I, no, just, I think you might like the first storyline a little bit better than because the first storyline he is dealing with kind of his powers are coming in. And it's a little more out of control and you might get a little bit more of the type father son that you're looking for versus this issue. Yeah. You know, I do want to say something. Um, Clark Smith, really? Smith? <laughs> that, yeah. That's what he went with? It reminded me of the scene in Family Guy where he looks out the window to try to figure out his name. Peter, and there's like Griffin there. <laughs> Griffin. <laughs> like, okay, so that, that, that's what you went with, Clark Smith. <laughs> no, I agree. I, I wish that, you know, both of them being writers, it would have been nice had they come up with something else. Yeah, and, and you know, friends with Batman. Seems like yeah. they could have come up with a better identity than Clark and Lois Smith. <laughs> well, weren't they? I, I think weren't they the Whites in the miniseries? Yes, yes, they were. But they, they have changed I would, their identity now. I hope it, it keeps changing, because that would be funny. <laughs> it, it would seem to me that you would lose the first names because yeah. they look so much like their New Fifty Two counterparts. Um, I would, you know, I, I would, I would, I would think that he, he would go with the name, you know. Kent something or other. Yo, take Kent as his first name. Kent Clark. <laughs> yeah, there you go. God damn it, Paul. 
But it's a good book. And I'm with you, Paul. You know, again, it was more of a quieter, you know, story. Superman does secretly, you know, uh, stop a crime. But and it's off panel. It's, like, it's not it's actually off part of the book. But what's hysterical is the uh, the being mistaken for Batman. Yeah. <laughs> and the look on his face. Tell me it was Batman. Was it Batman? Tell me it was Batman. But the look on Lois's face when, you know, he promised her he wouldn't do any superheroing. And uh-huh. you could see her face steadily getting angrier and angrier and angrier. <laughs> <laughs> I, I i loved this issue i really did um yeah. and uh so good 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 superman book another book that we missed out on talking about last week um was a, a big issue detective comics number 940 featuring quote unquote the fate of tim drake um this is the the concluding uh issue of the first story arc for uh detective comics now, i didn't i, I haven't read, gotten a chance to read it yet but you did i read this I read this out of order, and so I read this week's Batman, Oops. in which on one of the early panels they said, well, you know, Tim's dead. And I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I immediately went back because I, I realized that I had bought it and hadn't read it. So I uh, I went back and I read Detective Comics at that point so that I could I could see the uh, horrible and untimely death of a hero of Gotham, Mr. Tim Drake. And uh, I, I I really really enjoy what they're doing in Detective Comics. Uh, it's a it's a great book. I loved Tim's Last Stand and Tim. Yes, you read this book. Yes, I read this. Talk book. to me about it. Talk, talk to me about it. Uh, you know, sometimes. You build up to a, in comics. You build up to a situation that seems like it's going to be the downfall of a character, and they always weasel out of it. Uh huh. While it sucks, <laughs> what happened? <laughs> it was sort of asked for. Uh-huh. Like I said, there there could have been a lot of things he could have done reprogramming him. Like <laughs> I said, you know, if you just reprogram him for for Batwoman's dad, and I don't think anybody's going to cry too hard. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, because he, 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 they couldn't stop the drones. They could only give the drones a new target. So what Tim did is he cleared the tower and gave the target as himself. Right, which is very noble. But I'm just thinking, like, you're the one that, like, told everybody you did this. You could have just done it and been like, I don't know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they should have got better drones. Yeah. So, you yeah. know... It, it's fitting that 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 happened. That like that the stakes were too high. You knew they were too high, and there wasn't a there wasn't a, a you know lame out basically. Yeah. Uh, that said, like you know, there hasn't been enough. What do they what do they call her in this damn book? Orphan. Yeah. There hasn't yeah. been enough orphan to make up for the fact that you took away my you know Tim Drake. Right. And I don't really give a rip about spoiler. And you know, it's like. I don't know. This went from an all-in book to a... I'm going to flip through it book. So, spoiler was the only reason that I thought about ever getting this book. Now that I know that they've killed Tim, that just pisses me off. In so, fairness, though, I haven't Tim liked... Get... I say, in fairness, I haven't liked him in the New 52. Oh, he was... So... This, this was pre-52 Tim Drake. Like, Yeah, he was... He was, he was, he was he was he was rocking out with his cock out. I mean, yeah, he, he was, was uh, he was the smartest bat in the room. Yeah, it, um, it was good to read. And Spoiler and Tim have a nice moment uh, in the book. Uh, and Spoiler and Batman have a nice moment in the book. 
Um, so Tim, can you get can can you give can you give me the the, the, the spoiler warning? The spoiler on spoiler. Yeah, can you give me a spoiler I really, warning? I really don't care. Oh, you want the other spoiler? Okay, sorry. Yes, I, yeah. <laughs> spoiler. So spoilers. Tim's still around. He got beamed out at the last minute when the missiles hit the top of the tower. The missiles took the the, the top of the tower off, so he's presumed dead by all of his friends and in, in, in the Bat family. But uh, he is a prisoner now of the character that we believe to be Ozymandias from the Watchmen books. Uh, Ozymandias, you know, tells him that he was reconnecting too many dots. He was revealing things that shouldn't be revealed and that uh, they had to take him off the board. So Tim is still alive. I love that idea that Tim was the one that he saw as a threat. So with that in mind, you guys know how I feel about spoiler. You know how I feel about Tim. Do you think I should pick up the first arc of the book and give this a shot? Yes, if it's, if it's just for her, eh. it wouldn't be just for her. It would be for her and for Tim and for, well, she's now orphan. But those are the characters I care about in the book. You don't get a you don't. Get, yeah, you don't get a ton of that. But uh, Tim is prominently featured. Yeah. Uh, and I, I got to tell you, I, I there is. The only way that I would not recommend this book to somebody is if somebody said, you know what I really hate? Fantastic books. I hate a book <laughs> that's going to entertain me from top to bottom. You know, I, boy, if there is one thing that I hate, it's value for my money and quality entertainment. I would say, yes, this is the book. This is the book you should not buy because you hate good things. Uh, Detective Comics has just been fantastic in this first arc. So speaking of books that have been fantastic that I didn't buy – <laughs> I didn't buy Batman this week and I didn't buy it strictly because it started the crossover. Uh-huh. I don't want to read all of the other books that it's crossing over into. Although now it sounds like I may give the uh, detective a chance, but I don't want a big crossover. That's going to make me buy a bunch of books. I don't want to buy. So I am skipping the storyline and I'll, co- I won't come back to Batman until after the crossover's done. I will let you guys fill me in on what happens on the crossover. So I really liked Batman number seven, uh, so much so that I picked up Nightwing number five this week. Um, This is Night of the Monsters, and it's basically Hugo Strange has... uh, This has been set up in the first arc, and uh, Hugo Strange has unleashed creatures on Gotham during uh, kind of... I don't know. I don't think it's a hurricane, but it's like the worst storm they've had in years um, zero year level storm that they have to evacuate the city. And on top of that, Hugo Strange has unleashed monsters uh, on the city. Uh, Batman's uh, co-written by Steve Orlando and Tom King features art by Riley Rosmo. I, I, and, and it's, it's funny because it's, it says Batman on the cover, but it, it reads more like, uh, and the next issue of detective comics, because all those characters are in this book. Um, you know, the, the whole bat team that they have going on. And so it, it really is a, a crossover of all the bat books in the truest sense of the word. Aaron, I know you, you read Batman number seven, um, but you did not read, read Nightwing number five. So I'm very curious to hear uh, what your thoughts on Batman number seven were. I have to say I did not much care for the Riley Rosmo artwork. Um, did you not? I really liked it. I thought, I, it, fit you the, know, I thought it fit the story. I do think it fit the story. I just... The uh, he, he the way he stylized the suits. Um, I'm used to seeing a much uh, a much more streamlined costume for uh, Batwoman, mm-hmm. 
and it almost looked like she was wearing a costume a size too big for. Yeah, it, it's and, definitely. And that, yeah, he, he definitely loves his wrinkles. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, and that was true on everybody. I mean, you know, he did that with Batman. He did that with Nightwing. But it seems so much more pronounced with uh, the manner in which he drew Batwoman. And but you know he he draws monsters well and there's a lot of monsters in this book. So Nightwing number five, uh, also co-written by Steve Orlando. So it seems like Steve Orlando is co-writing all of the issues in this series, um, but also but with the regular writers. So Tom King co-wrote Batman. Um, Tim Seeley is co-writing Nightwing, and I you know while the art is 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 different than what you get in the Batman book. So if you didn't like the Riley Rossmo art, you might enjoy the art in Nightwing a little more. Um, I thought it was good. I'm actually really liking this story. Uh, you know, the, 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 it's basically Batman versus giant monsters. These monsters are not small in the slightest. Um, and this, this issue involves Nightwing kind of going further down, um, going further investigating what's actually happening. That's causing these monsters to, to, uh, to come out. Uh, of the woodwork and also features Gotham Girl. So if you enjoyed that storyline in Batman, uh, Gotham Girl makes an appearance in the issue of Night in Nightwing that she's not so much in the issue of Batman. I, this is a really good crossover. Um, you know, I, I enjoy it, it seems like the stakes are really high. You know, the, the it's it's one of those situations where the bat characters feel over their head because you know, they don't fight giant monsters. You know, a, a human-sized monster, sure. But it's not often you see them fight giant monsters. And that's exactly what we're getting in this book. And I really liked both parts. Um, so I'm on board for the entire crossover. Excellent. Well, I'll pick up Nightwing then, because it sounds like like that's a ringing endorsement. Absolutely. So next week, in comic shops, um, Teen Titans Rebirth, number one. Featuring uh, Damian Wayne joining the Teen Titans because you know if you remember he's now a teen he just turned thirteen uh, so I, I I'm definitely picking that one up I don't uh, is anyone picking up Teen Titans with me Yes <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna suck me in Yes what awesome. I plan on doing is uh, I'll do the preview on Comicsology that gives you the first couple pages mm -hmm. and I'll decide then because I'm kind of on the fence I might give it a shot. Well, that's not the only new book next week. We also get Blue Beetle number one. I think we Woo. we enjoyed the Rebirth issue. Looking forward to Blue Beetle number one. As well as Batman Beyond Rebirth number one comes out next week. And I'm definitely looking forward to that one and seeing Terry McGinnis back in the Batsuit. Detective Comics number 941 continues the Monster Men storyline. And uh, the Wonder Woman... Uh, mod or current day storyline continues in Wonder Woman number seven. Excellent. Well, it sounds like good books for next week. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, don't forget, check out our YouTube channel. Cool stuff there. Cool stuff coming. Very exciting. You guys have a good week. You too. Bye, everybody. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.